Well, let's open our Bibles to First uh, John, chapter five. First John, chapter five, and let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here at the country church. We thank you for the baptism that's going to take place after the service, at the end of the service, or as part of the service, or however we want to say it. But Lord, I just thank you people are going to receive baptism. They're going to follow your commandment to repent and be baptized. And I just thank you, Lord, for the blessing upon that. And Lord, as we study your word today, we ask you to give us understanding. We ask the help of the Holy Spirit to enlighten us concerning the truth of your word that we might know and understand and comprehend that the devil might not steal the seed that's being planted today. Now, we just bind every evil power that would hinder the working of the word of God today. We take authority in the spiritual realm, plead the blood of Jesus over every heart and mind and soul and body today in this place, that, Lord, we might receive what you have for us today In Jesus' name, we bind every spirit of confusion, every lying spirit that would try to operate against the people, and we speak peace to the people of God here in Jesus' name. And I just thank you that your word goes forth, and it will not return void, but it will accomplish what it was sent forth to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. 1 John chapter... Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You know, that's an interesting little phrase there, isn't it? Born of God. Born again. Sometimes we use these phrases and they become like a religious cliche. But there's a lot of meaning in that word, in that phrase. Born of God. If I'm born of God, then God is my father, and I'm in the family of God. Can I have an amen? And if God is my father, I'm rich. Amen. My daddy owns the universe. Oh, glory to God. And I'm blessed. And I'm an heir of God. And I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. It's exciting to be born of God. If you're born of God, born of God you ought to be happy today. Amen. You ought to be jumping and shouting, praise God. And coming to church is not an obligation, it's an excitement because we are coming together with other people that are born again and we are hearing his message, we are receiving his life and we're being encouraged to go forth in Jesus' name. Can I have an amen today? And everyone that loveth him that begot, that's God, if you love God, loveth him also that is begotten of him. That means if you love God, you should love other Christians. Can I have an amen? Now, what if they're not perfect? Love them anyway. Fran says love them anyway. Okay? So, love them anyway. Everybody say love them anyway. Because they're born of God. Amen? They're God's kids. Amen? And they're in your family. They're your siblings. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God does what? Overcomes the world. Amen. Overcomes the world. Sometimes we hear what's going on in the world. We feel 
under the pressure of this world. The Bible said if you're born of God, you overcome the world. Hallelujah. And this is the victory. Everybody say victory. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Amen. So stay in faith. How do you stay in faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Stay in this book and you'll stay in faith. Amen. And that's one of the reasons you're in church today, to stay in faith, to hear the word. Amen. So you can stay in faith because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Have faith in God, Jesus says. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. How many know God sent his Son? God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And 2,000 years ago, God sent his Son, born of a virgin, came to this earth to save a sinful humanity. And he taught us right from wrong. And he did miracles and signs and wonders. And he went to a cross and he died for your sins. So when Jesus went to that cross, he didn't die in punishment for his sins. He died for your sins. And they buried him. They put him in the grave. But how many know the grave couldn't hold him? Amen. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And Jesus is alive today. And he poured out his Holy Spirit. Glory to God. And we have his Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of Christ. Hallelujah. And Jesus rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. The Lord went up, the Holy Ghost came down, and the church went out. Amen? Go ye into all the world and preach this gospel. Verse 6. This is he that came by water and blood. Even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And is the spirit that bears witness because the spirit is truth. Verse 7. For there are three, everybody say three. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. The Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost. In the beginning, it says in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When he talks about the Word in heaven, that's Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. Amen? So when we talk about there's three that bear witness in heaven, that's the Father, the Word, Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what we call the Trinity, the three in one. Amen? There's three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And verse 8 now, this is what I'm getting to here. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. There are three that bear witness on the earth. How many know we're living on the earth? How many know we're not in heaven yet? One, way, one day we will be, amen? Meantime, we're on the earth. Amen. We're not in the sweet by and by. We're in the, in the daily nitty gritty. Amen. And so we need witnesses. The Bible said out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every matter be established. Amen. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says a threefold cord is not easily or quickly broken. 
Three, the blood, the water, and the spirit. I want to talk today about three things that we need established in our life to be able to build on the foundation of God. Now, Jesus is the foundation. But there's three things, and we're going to be studying today mainly in the book of Acts once we get there. But in the early church, we're going to see that there's three things that the ministers in the early church wanted to see every believer established in their life. Number one, salvation through Jesus Christ. How many know his blood, that we are saved through his blood? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, We have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. So the forgiveness of sins, salvation is through the blood of Jesus. Can I have an amen? And we are saved by believing in Jesus Christ. The Bible said in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe where? In your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That is made effectual because his blood was shed for you. He did that part. He gave his blood. He shed his blood for you. What you do is come in agreement with that, amen, by believing in what he did for you and confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. With the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's how you're saved. Amen. Salvation is not by being dipped into the pool of water after the church today. It's not certainly not by infant baptism. That's not even in the Bible. But salvation is through the blood of Jesus. Amen. However... If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord, then you want to obey him. Amen? And his first commandment is, get baptized. Amen? Baptism pertains to what you're going to be doing on this earth. And we're going to see this, that you can be prepared to go to heaven by confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord, because that's your basic salvation. But God also wants you to be prepared to walk this walk on this earth. And there's power to do that through water baptism and also through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there's three that bear record on the earth, the blood, the water, and the Spirit. So I want to talk to you today about the blood, the water, and the Spirit, about salvation, water baptism, and thirdly, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen today? These are things that we need in our lives in order to live the victorious Christian life. Amen? Now, as I said, we're going to minister in the book of Acts primarily, but on the way back, I want to stop and and share two scriptures with you. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, this is a Bible a Bible-believing church, right? So it would be appropriate that we study the Bible today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'd like to read verses 1 and 2 here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 
verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were baptized unto Moses, what? In the cloud and in the sea. In the cloud and in the sea. How many know the Old Testament is a shadow and a type of the new? I'm not living in the Old Testament. However, I can read the Old Testament and learn about the New Testament because the New Testament is not God all of a sudden changing his mind. Amen? The pictures that are in the Old Testament pertain to the New Testament. And here he says that those Old Testament Israel was baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Two baptisms. You know, in Hebrews, it talks about the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. It says repentance from dead works and faith towards God and the doctrine of baptisms. There is more than one baptism. There is a baptism in water, which you're going to see after the service today. And there also is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. The word baptism means to immerse. That's why we have a tank out here instead of sprinkling. Because the biblical picture is immersion. To dip. The word means to dip. It's the word that they used uh, when they were going to dye a cloth. They would dip that cloth into the dye material. And it would be totally immersed in there. Okay? So baptism means to be immersed. So to be immersed in water means to be immersed in water. (laughs) Amen? It means to be dipped, to be dunked. To be immersed or to be baptized in the Holy Spirit means to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. It's a saturation of the Holy Spirit. It's an encompassing of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is involved in every person who has received Christ. Because the Bible says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So the Holy Spirit is in every believer. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. Can I have an amen? And he comes in to bear witness that you're a child of God. By the way, the Holy Spirit also works in the heart of a person who has not yet received Christ to draw them and to convict them of their need for Christ. So the Holy Spirit operates there. But when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart. Because that's how Jesus comes into your heart is by the Holy Spirit. Physical Jesus, the physical Jesus, it doesn't come in your heart. But Jesus does come in your heart. He comes in by the Holy Spirit. But then... There is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a greater dimension in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, because baptism means what? Immersion. So then you're immersed in this anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So it says here that Moses, that they were baptized unto Moses, that Old Testament, in Old Testament Israel, they were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Two baptisms. You know, when Israel was down in Egypt, 
they had the Passover meal, right? Or the Passover. The Passover feast was instituted then. What happened then? They were in Egypt. They were about to go out of Egypt. God instituted the Passover. And it was a time of when God judged the firstborn in Egypt. And a death angel passed through all the land and all the firstborn of Egypt died, including Pharaoh's son. Okay? And God told Israel, I want you to slay a lamb. And I want you to take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost of your house. Because then the, 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 when the death angel passes through the land, he will pass over your house. Amen. Now that is a picture of salvation. Because how many know Christ, our Passover, has died for us? Amen. And it's because his blood is shed, the death angel passes over our life, amen, and we have salvation. And the emblem of that in the, in the church is the communion meal, which is a picture very similar to the, to the thing of Passover, okay? So they actually literally slayed the lamb, and the blood was applied to the doorpost, And they came into God's divine protection, or you could say salvation, in that picture. Then they went out of Egypt, and they were to go to the promised land. But instead of God leading them directly to the promised land, he took them down to the Red Sea. Because there needed to be a baptism before they could go up into Egypt. So he had to go down to the baptism hole. Amen. So they took, he took them southeast to the Red Sea. And here they were in front of the Red Sea. And wouldn't you know it, here comes Pharaoh's army. Because as soon as Israel left Egypt, Pharaoh figured out, we're going to have to start working around here, boys. Our slaves are gone. We better go get them back here. Or we're going to have to start working for a living. So Pharaoh and his army came in order to bring Israel back into Egypt. Now, Egypt is a picture of the world, and Pharaoh is a picture of Satan. And Satan wants to bring you back into the world. If you're a born-again believer, Satan wants to bring you back into the world. You say, well, I'm saved now. It's all taken care of. Satan wants to bring you back in the world. Yes, you're saved, but you need to continue to walk with the Lord And God has a plan for your life. But Satan wants to bring you back into the world, just like Pharaoh wanted to bring them back to Egypt. Okay? So they went in their camp next to the Red Sea. But here comes Pharaoh. Well, the Bible said that there was this pillar of fire and this pillar of cloud. And God put that pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, between Israel and Pharaoh so Pharaoh could not get them. He protected them. But there they were, Pharaoh's on one side and the Red Sea's on the other. How many know you don't just, what do you do? You know, they didn't have time to build a boat. There was no ferry in those days. Okay? So, God says, don't worry about it. I've got a plan. They cried out to God. God said to Moses, why are you crying to me? Stretch forth your rod. He told Moses to stretch his rod. And and Moses stretched his rod and God split the Red Sea. And they went across the Red Sea as on dry ground. And they got out there and got across. And, and God removes that pillar. And here comes Pharaoh into the Red Sea. 
And God says, okay, stretch your rod again. Moses stretched the rod, and Pharaoh and his armies were swallowed up in the Red Sea. So what happened in this baptism? They were delivered from Pharaoh and his armies. The power of Satan was broken at the Red Sea. Can you hear what I'm saying today? And in the picture, this is what God wants to do in water baptism. He wants to bring a deliverance into your life, a cutting off of Pharaoh and the strongholds of this world and Satan in your life so that you can move on with God in the power of the Holy Spirit. But it said, not only were they baptized in the Red Sea under Moses, but they were also baptized in the cloud. You see, now there again, that's that cloud of a pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day. That represents the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of that cloud, was to lead them into the promised land of God. Okay? Just in the same way, God wants to lead you by his Holy Spirit into the promised land. Now, a lot of people think the promised land is heaven. But actually, the promised land is more of a picture of victory in the Christian life or our inheritance. God has an inheritance for us in the promised land. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to lead us and guide us into our inheritance. Can I have an amen? But the only problem is, Israel disbelieved God, had unbelief, and therefore the pillar of cloud led them around in circles. It wasn't God's will. But because of their unbelief, they didn't receive what God intended for them to have. That tells me something. You have a lot to do with what God is able to do in your life. Can I have an amen? Let me say, well, why isn't God doing something in my life? Why aren't things working out the way they should? Why aren't I progressing? Well, you need to look on your end of the equation. Because God has a good plan for your life. Amen. And he's given you the equipment to take you into everything he has for you. So how many see the picture here? Amen. Now, so in Egypt, they had the Passover lamb. That's the blood. They went through the Red Sea. That's the water. And they were led by this pillar That's the spirit. Okay? All right, now let's go over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're going to read verse 4. This is after Jesus had risen from the dead. And he was assembled together with them in verse 4. It says, And being assembled together with them, that's the disciples, commanded them, everybody say commanded, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me, verse 5, for John truly baptized with what? Water. But you shall be baptized with the, what? Holy Ghost, not many days hence. How many see there's two baptisms there? He says, John baptized you in water. That's good. But you shall be baptized in what? The Holy Spirit in a few days. And he says in verse 8, but you shall receive what? 
power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. How many want power in your life? We need power to live the Christian life. Amen. So you see, there's three that bear witness on the earth, the blood, the water, and the spirit. And we need all three witnesses. Amen. We need all three of these things. It's the blood that gets us to heaven. But the other two we need on this earth. Can I have an amen? You know, some people say, well, you know, you have to be baptized to be saved. Well, you should be baptized if you're saved. But remember the thief on the cross? He said, this day you'll be with me in paradise, right? How many know he didn't have time to get baptized? But yet he was saved. Amen? Because he was saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But you and I, we do have time. Amen? And so the first thing we ought to do when we get saved is get baptized. And you can see in the scriptures, that's the normal, that's the normal way they did it. Amen? It's the picture all throughout. We're going to see it here in the book of Acts. All right, now I want you to go to the second chapter of the book of Acts. And we're going to see again the spirit in action. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost, how many ever heard of Pentecost? That was another feast of the Jews. All those feasts represented different things spiritually because they're all shadows and types and pictures. The day of Pentecost represented this, the outpouring of the spirit. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all what? Filled with the Holy Ghost. And did what? Began to speak with other tongues. That means unknown languages as the spirit gave them utterance. All of a sudden it got quiet in here. Because when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see when they received that baptism of the Holy Spirit, they spoke in other languages. It was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that is unique to the New Testament. That God gave them a gift to be able to speak in languages that they didn't know in their mind. Why? Because their spirits were activated and the Holy Spirit gave inspiration to them and they spoke in other languages. And they had a time. They were happy. And so it was noised around what happened. People heard them speaking in tongues. Now sometimes we think, well... We should just speak in tongues in a corner and nobody should ever hear it because we're kind of ashamed of this weird little thing that goes on with us. No. God many times will use that as a sign to reach unbelievers. But there are rules in the the Bible that tell tell us how to use it and how not to use it, which we don't have time to get into today. But we shouldn't be ashamed of speaking in other tongues. Paul said, forbid not to speak in tongues. Amen. And they spoke in tongues, and it drew a crowd. And the crowd came, and they said, what is this? And some of them said, you you guys are drunk. And others said, well, I don't know. They're speaking my language. And then Peter stood up and preached to them. And he explained what was happening. 
with this manifestation of the Spirit and speaking in other tongues. And then guess what he did? He preached Jesus to them. He preached Jesus to them. And then he told them that they had crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. That the, the one who God sent to save them, they had crucified him. And the Bible said in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Remember what I said that the Holy Spirit does in an unbeliever's heart? He convicts. When it says here they were pricked in their heart, that means they were convicted of their sin and their need that was in their life. Now, I heard Pastor Rich talking, sharing that testimony about someone who called them. And he had talked to them about Jesus Christ and talked to them about sin. I, don't, I didn't hear the first part of the story. But what did they say when they called? I thought about what you said, and I don't know what to do. Well, when they heard that, they were pricked in their heart, and they said to, the, to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? You know, being convicted or being in a place where you don't know what to do spiritually or recognizing your need, that's a good thing. Amen? Sometimes we think we should just let people escape that. But people need to feel the burden of their sin. If you're here today and you've never received Christ, I pray you'll feel the burden of your sin. Amen. That without Christ, you're lost. You're without hope and without God. And when you leave this earth, you're going to spend eternity away from God. Amen. That's serious. See, we need to feel the weight of that sin and of our rebellion to God so that we can call on the name of the Lord and cry out for his mercy and forgiveness. And they said, what shall we do? How many know that's a good question? And Peter, the apostle who Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, said these words. And Peter said to them, repent. And what? Be baptized. How many of you? Every one of you. You know, every one of us that are in this room that have received Jesus Christ should be baptized. Amen. You might say, well, they don't do that in my family. Well, they do it in the Bible. The question is, are you going to follow your family or are you going to follow the Bible? Amen. You say, well, they don't do that in my church. Well, the question is, are you going to follow church tradition or are you going to follow the word of God? Repent and be baptized. How many? Every one of you. Every last one of you. Amen. Somebody says, well, I didn't bring any change of clothes. I got to get my car seat wet. We, were, we thought the, the tank was going to be in here. So Susan was praying that Fran wouldn't get upset about the wet carpet. But hey, when it comes to doing God's will, we don't worry about getting the car seat wet. Can I have an amen? There's people dying for the privilege of serving Christ and doing his will. We shouldn't worry about a wet car seat. 
Can I have amen? Am I speaking to you today? Amen? Is this truth? Repent and be baptized. How many? Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive what? The gift of the Holy Ghost. The blood, salvation. He says repent, the basic salvation. Repent, what does repent mean? It means to have a change of mind. To amend your ways. Instead of spending times in the, in the club, amen, start following Jesus. Amen. Instead of following the lust of your flesh, follow with a heart after God 100%. That's what repent means. Turn to God. Amen. Be, and believe in the Son of God. The blood, the water, and the Spirit. Can I have an amen? For this promise is to you and to your children and to all that are far off, even in Ruthton, and even as many as the Lord our God shall call even the Dutch, as Pastor Rich told us. And Norwegian. We got any Norwegians here? God loves Norwegians. Amen. Got a Norwegian? Praise God. This promise is for everyone. The goodness of God is for everyone. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward or crooked generation. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were what? Baptized. And the same day were added unto them about what? 3,000 souls. Those are the ones that were, be, that were baptized. It seems to me they didn't even consider them added unto them until they were baptized. They were baptized and there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, I want you to notice verse 42 here before we go on also. And they did what? Continued. Everybody say continue. Okay, give your neighbor an elbow and say continue. Say keep on going. If the blood, water, and the spirit are part of the foundation, amen, how many know a foundation is good? A foundation is very important, right? But how many know we also need to build the house? And so this talks about how we need to continue to follow on with the Lord. We need to repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Ghost, and then what? Continue. What did they continue in? The apostles' doctrine. That's the teaching of the Word of God. Come to church. Say, Pastor Rich, teach me the word. Amen. The apostles' doctrine is right here. Fellowship. Fellowship is not just eating the meal after church. That's, the fellowship is our interaction and our encouragement of one another. We need the apostles' doctrine, fellowship. Breaking of bread, that's the communion meal. We need to regularly partake of the communion meal. And prayers. Prayers keeps us in communion with God. How many know we need to go on with God? Amen. We need to build that house. All right. Now, turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip, who was an evangelist, by the way. Thank God for evangelists. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached, what? 
Christ. What's an evangelist preach? What do we need to preach to the unsaved? Christ. Amen. Christ, the Savior of the world. That is the message that he preached. And it said in verse 6, And the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing what? The miracles which he did. So Philip went down to Samaria. He preached the message of Christ. He prayed for the people. And God did miracles. Notice in verse 12 now, But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Hey, ladies, you can get in on this too. (laughs) So what did they do when they believed? They were baptized. It's the normal thing to do. Amen? Don't let tradition negate the word of God. Jesus told the Pharisees, your tradition has made the word of God a none effect. And that's exactly what happens in many religious traditions is that tradition, the tradition of man, the ideas of man, stop the word of God from taking place. Amen? The word of God says, repent and be baptized. It doesn't say, Baptize little babies as an infant. I'm not here to criticize. That's not my point. I just want to make the point of what the Bible says. Amen. I'm not here to criticize. There's probably things that I need to learn in the word of God. Amen. But this is the truth that some people have only gone so far with the truth and not far enough. Amen. Martin Luther, thank God, he brought us a lot of truth concerning justification by faith. I thank God for it. He was, he was great in the fact that he brought revelation to the church where there was darkness. But with regard to water baptism, he stayed in the dark ages. Thank you for your enthusiasm. With regard to water baptism, he stayed in the dark ages. He didn't move on. But we have moved on since then. Amen? To know that baptism is something that you do after you believe. Can I have an amen? To help you go on with your walk with God. All right? So, when they, when they believed, verse 12, they were baptized. Now, so how many see they believed, so they had the blood? Amen. They were baptized, so they had the water. Okay. How many see they're missing one witness? Let's see what the ministers did. Now, when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were came down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he was fallen on none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them. That's another basic thing. They put their hands on them, amen, to impart the gift of the Holy Spirit. So now they had three witnesses, the blood, the water, and the Spirit. Can I have an amen? Now go to the 10th chapter, the book of Acts. So far they're preaching to Jews. But the Holy Spirit put together, God put together by his Holy Spirit, by angels, a supernatural meeting between Peter and a man named Cornelius, who was a a centurion and a Gentile, a non-Jew. And so Peter began to preach to them. And he preached, what do you think Peter preached to them? Christ. 
And in verse 43, if you'll notice, this is the end of Peter's message here. Acts chapter 10, verse 43, it says, To him give all the apostles, or all the prophets, witness that through his name, whosoever does what? Believeth in him shall receive what? Remission of sins. So believes, whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. That's the blood. How many know you can't have your sins remitted without the blood? While Peter yet spake these words, what happened? The Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came which Peter, because that on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, how did they know that the Holy Ghost was poured out? You can't see the Holy Ghost, right? How did they know that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on them? For they heard them speak with tongues and evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So here's these people sitting in a room like us, Cornelius and all his friends and family. Peter preached Jesus to them. And while he's preaching, they believed because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So they believed in Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. And all the Jews that were with Peter said, wow, look at this. These people are speaking in tongues and they're Gentiles. God must love those folks too. They had a lot of prejudice. Now, so they had the what? They had the blood. They had the spirit. They had two witnesses. That's good enough, right? No. What did they say? Can any man forbid water? Everybody say water. So they had already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but still they needed water. Amen. Why is the water so important? Well, I think we're going to see in just a minute. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So he taught them, continued to teach them. All right, one more place in Acts, and then I want to show you something in Romans, and then we'll conclude. Acts chapter 19. And verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding what? Certain disciples. Everybody say disciples. Disciple is a learner. This was somebody who's following the Lord. This was a group of people that are following the Lord. How many know some of us can be following the Lord, but we still need to learn more? I think everybody in this room needs to learn more. Definitely including the preacher today. And Susan said, amen. But he found certain disciples. And he said to them, have you received what? The Holy Ghost since you believed. So they have believed. So how many see they had the blood already? But Paul wants to know if they've got the Holy Ghost. He says, well, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as, what? Heard. Whether there be any Holy Ghost. Faith comes by hearing. So in their church, they weren't teaching about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
So if you don't teach about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then people aren't going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. They said, we haven't heard about the Holy Ghost. So Paul's checking out their foundation. How many see? Paul's checking out their foundation. And he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. So they were baptized. But Paul, Paul wanted to know, unto what were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. Now, John's baptism was of God. But John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, purely. Christian baptism is more. It is the baptism of repentance, but it's more than that. And we're going to see that in the book of Romans. I'm going to read a couple of verses and you'll understand what I'm saying. Christian baptism is an identification with Christ. And that's why it's very, very important. Okay? So they said, yeah, we've been baptized. We were baptized with John's baptism. Well, God told John to baptize those people. There was nothing wrong with that. Amen. Except they needed something more. They needed baptism in Christ. And he said unto them, on what you were baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So how many see they had the blood now? They had the water? That's enough, right? No? No? The blood, the water, and the... So, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they... What? Spake with tongues and prophesied. So, not only was the gift of tongues in evidence, but also the gift of prophecy. Amen. When I received the Lord, I made Jesus the Lord of my life. The same day I was baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't always happen that way. You might get saved as a little child somewhere in a, in a VBS. And you might figure out you need to be baptized when you're in your 20s or 30s. And then somebody might come and teach you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You might receive that later on yet. Okay. Because they're not the same thing. They're three different things. You can receive them on some occasions all at once. Or it may be at different times. I may understand what I'm saying. But they're all important. Amen. And do you see how Paul made sure that they had these witnesses in their lives? Amen. How many see that? Lift your hand if you see that. Amen. All right. Now, one more scripture reference and we're going to close. Romans chapter... Six. You've been real good to listen today. I appreciate it. Romans chapter six. If you haven't done it, you ought to make uh, a study of the book of Romans. It really explains salvation and the plan of God for your life very clearly. Now, the first five chapters of Romans deals with the subject of of justification by faith. That's the revelation I was talking about that 
Martin Luther got a hold of and preached. And through Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, we learn that being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, by believing in what he did, that we can be saved, our sins can be forgiven, and instead of being unrighteous, we become righteous. We don't earn that. It's not by our good works. We're not saved by what we've done. We're saved by what he did. Can I have an amen? That's very important to understand. So he gives this teaching in those first, first five chapters of the book of Romans. But then he asks this question that we need to listen to. You know, because if we're saved by grace through faith and not of works, well, then what's the use of living right? That's basically what he's asking. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, you know, let's just keep on sinning so we can get more of this grace. Is that the answer? God forbid. God, everybody say, God forbid. God forbid that any of us would continue in sin after we've received Jesus Christ. Because God has done a miracle in your life. Can I have an amen? Now see what he says here. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I don't know how many times I've heard the testimony of people that received Christ and they said, sin lost its attraction. It just wasn't fun anymore. It still had a pull through the flesh. But it's not the same. If you receive Jesus Christ, something on the inside has changed. And it says, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are what? Buried. You know what we're going to have in a few moments here? A burial service. We're going to bury the old man. What do you do when somebody dies? Bury him. So if you're dead to sin, get buried. That's what baptism's about. Amen? You know, one time we were having a prayer meeting, and this was early in my Christian life, and there was a man there about my age, and he was he was talking about he was having some struggles in his life in the area of sin. He was being tempted in some areas. And so we began to gather around him and pray for him. And the Lord gave me a prophecy for him. And I remember very distinctly the Lord said to him, remember your baptism. Remember your baptism. See, your baptism is a day to remember. Because that's the day that you were buried. Amen. And how many know dead people don't sin? Can I have an amen? You see, because baptism is an identification with Christ. In other words, we enter into what he did. What did he do? He died. He was buried. And he rose again. And that's the picture of water baptism. And that's why there's power in water baptism. And just as Pharaoh was cut off, from the Israelites and the 
the power of the world to pull them back into slavery was cut off at the Red Sea. So it is in your baptism. There's a cutting off of Satan's pull and stronghold in your life that you can always point back to and say, no, I made a decision for Jesus Christ and I buried that old man and he will live no more and I'm living unto God and I will walk in newness of life in Jesus' name. And that's what water baptism is about. It's power to be free from that pull back into the old way of life. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Amen. See, baptism's about our walk. If you were going to get born again today and, and your life would end right afterwards or the rapture would come, you wouldn't need baptism. But the truth is, if you were born again today, chances are you're going to leave this place and you're going to need to walk with God. Well, through this baptism, there's power and you can always look back and you can always say, on that day, I buried the old man. Amen. And I walk in newness of life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Isn't his word good? Amen. It all fits together. Praise God. Let's just bow our heads before the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. How many love God? You're born again. You know you're going to heaven. Would you lift your hand if that's you? Praise God. All right. Thank you. Put your hand down. Just begin to pray. How many today would say, you know what? I need a change in my life. I haven't been walking with God. I need to repent. If that's you, you need the forgiveness of sins today. Would you lift your hand if that's you? Hi, this is Susan Shanklin. We hope you enjoyed this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom and I would love to hear from you. You can write us at Tom Shanklin Ministries, P.O. Box 4144. That's P.O. Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota, 56002, USA. When you write... Please send us your prayer requests and your testimonies. We sure would love to hear from you. You can visit us also on the net at gopreach.net.